Forgiveness is not an option, but a command for a believer. Yet there are times when we are confused or ignorant about how we are to forgive. In part two of the message on the call to forgive, we look at the perfect example of the Lord Jesus who demonstrated how we as Christians ought to forgive. May these truths move and convict us to extend forgiveness to others as God in Christ forgave us. Uh, if you were part of the message that we had uh, the last week, that is 18th of October, uh, you would know that we are doing a two-part series on the call to forgive. Um, so if any of you were not able to uh, see that um, after this service, it would be wonderful for you to go back and review that message for you to get a complete understanding of uh, this message as we follow up uh, today. Um, uh, last week, we spoke about, uh, especially about the call to forgive and what it means to forgive. And we saw two parts within that sermon where we discovered how forgiveness is so vital for our Christian walk, for our Christian faith, so vital for us as believers that we found that when we forgive, when we, when we do not forgive, we forfeit our relationship, the fellowship that we have with God. Unforgiveness affects our bodies and it affects even our souls, bringing us into a place of uh, emotional depletion. We also saw that the... Uh, um, uh, forgiveness is a key to answered prayers. We saw that unforgiveness opens the door for the attack of the enemy. And lastly, we saw that the measure that we use to forgive someone is the measure that God will use for us. We also did look at the second part of it where we discovered that extending the mercy and the love that we receive from God is the true nature of forgiveness. So today... Even as we look into part two uh, uh, of our message today, we are going to be focusing on this one question. Some, a question that I have heard very many people ask me as they come in into a counseling room. How do I forgive? How do I forgive? Now, this is a question that we are faced uh, very often we may have asked ourselves this question when we know that we are called to forgive. We find it hard because there's a confusion in what is the process of it. Sometimes we find that uh, we are ignorant or we are clueless about how to forgive. We are, we are so uh, filled sometimes with, with bitterness and anger and resentment that we do not know. We, we find ourselves not knowing what is the right way to forgive. And through this message today, I hope and pray that our eyes are opened to some of the wonderful truths that God has in his word as he shows us how we can forgive. I believe this will be an answer for many of us who are looking for that place of being able to extend forgiveness. So even as we explore that, we find that the Apostle Paul shows us a model of forgiveness. And he gives that to us in Ephesians 4.32. He says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So the model of forgiveness, as Paul shows us in this verse, is that we are to forgive as God in Christ forgave us. That is our model. Forgiving 
as God in Christ forgave us. Now, this model highlights two things. We are to forgive, one, because God forgave us. And two, we are to forgive as or like or in the same manner as God in Christ forgave us. So we are to forgive because God forgave us. And we are to forgive as or like or in the same manner as God forgave us. Now Jesus is the perfect example of forgiveness. He demonstrates how Christians need to live and need to, need to go about in their faith. And forgiveness is no exception. So P Peter, he speaks of this in his letter. He says, to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was defeat found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. So the scripture shows us that Christ leaves us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. So we understand that we, we understand how we forgive or how to forgive by just looking at the way Christ forgave us. So today I have six broad points that I would bring out to show you how God and Christ forgave us. And we use that as an application as we extend our forgiveness to our brothers. So the first point, God in Christ forgave us by taking the painful consequences of our sin. He took the painful consequences of our sin. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, he took responsibility for my sin. He took responsibility for your sin. He took responsibility by taking our curse. Galatians 3.13 says, he became a curse for us. So, Instead of us, God placed the curse on him so that we may obtain a blessing. And Jesus stood as a curse between us and the law. So he took responsibility for our curse. He took responsibility for our penalty and our consequences. Scripture says that he made him that is, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. So although Jesus was sinless, he had no character of sin, he bore the consequence of our sin, which means he faced death, he faced an eternal, he faced a separation from God, his Father, when he underwent that punishment. So he took that consequence for you and me. And he also took the punishment for our wrongdoing. What is the punishment he took? We see that in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. What is the punishment he took for us? He took our rebellion, 
He took our sins. He took our beating that we should have had. He took the whipping and he took the brutal death that we should have taken in his place. So what is this application? What does this mean? Often, the choices others make can affect us as we live with those consequences of their wrong choices, making us feel very bitter and angry towards them. So sometimes, because of the choices of other people, we may need to face those consequences. And that gets us angry and bitter. So what does this mean? This means that even we, just like Christ did, he, um, he took those painful consequences. We decide to live with the painful consequences of another person's sin. So when we look at an example, sexual abuse or physical violence in the hands of someone you trust can be a very terrible and a very um, hurting thing for those who are going through it. But those who have been victims understand that long after this violence or this abuse, the scars remain. Long after they go through relational consequences, physical consequences, or even emotional consequences. And as a result, it gets difficult. So bearing these consequences, I know, is in no way easy. And it can make us so weary. It can make us tired. It can make us so bitter and unforgiving. But knowing that God gives us grace and mercy in time of our need must help us forgive like Jesus did and be patient to live, to bear through those consequences um, of, another's choice of, of another's choice or of another's sin against us. So even as we look at it, sometimes it can be hard to live through those consequences. Um, even another example of maybe in a home where a member chooses, one member chooses to take a path um, that is very hard. Maybe it is a path of abandonment or a path of unfaithfulness, leaving the entire family to bear the consequences of that sin or a person who chooses to do something to themselves, uh, who probably would, uh, would uh, do something to harm their bodies by, by any form of an addiction, brings about an entire repercussion for the, for the entire family. But God calls us and he says, you know, he, he, he shows us that he bore those consequences patiently, knowing that God is just and God will bring about his justice at his time. The second thing that we see that God in Christ forgave us is by entrusting the offense into the hands of God. <clears throat> we see in 1 Peter 2.23, it says, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return when he suffered. He did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. So if we were to look uh, into what Jesus went through at the hands of his revilers just before his crucifixion, we can see details of what Jesus suffered for nothing he did to them. We find these details in Matthew uh, chapter 27, we see that his revilers humiliated him. 
They humiliated him by stripping him off his clothes and putting on a scarlet robe around him. They braided a crown of thorns. They gave him a reed uh, in his hand as a scepter, you know, in a way to mock him and to taunt him for nothing that he had done. They spat on him. They struck him on his head. So spitting at some, you know, that spitting on someone's face is the strongest thing to show your disgust, to show your repugnance. repugnance. It shows your hatred. It shows your, uh, your, uh, your, your distress towards someone. He bore all of this for us. And, and uh, later on in verse 31, it, show, it says that the offense was ultimate, ultimate when he was led to be crucified, when he was taken to be crucified. Crucifixion was a method of capital punishment where it was a public show for everyone so that everyone would, would, would witness what could be the fate of someone who would, um, who would do a crime. And this, although it was just a, a form of execution, it was also a form of humiliation where the, where the person had to lay in shame for, for maybe days on end till, till they, they died or till they succumbed. And all this Jesus did for, or went through for nothing that he did. And we see the response that Jesus has for all this offense that he, that he, was, he, he went through. He says it in Luke 23 verse 24. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. What is the application for you and me? For us, revenge and retaliation is the usual response. When someone hits us, we may hit back. When someone says a rude word, we may say something that is, that is even more offensive. So when we retaliate, it actually demonstrates that we don't believe that God is just and that he will do justly and he will take over um, uh, the, the, the thing that was done unto us. So some of the examples that we can see is often revenge can either be active or it can be passive. When there is an active revenge, there is an overt and a direct retaliation. And you often see this in property feuds where uh, someone refuses to give the share of the property or share of the money because of some wrong that was done long ago. Passive revenge is something that, that, that is seen quite, <clears throat> quite um, uh, covertly, that is quite hidden. And we see that sometimes among troubled couples where partners begin to attack other members, maybe the, maybe the in-laws or the siblings of the home uh, for, in order to retaliate with, with their spouse. Or we see it sometimes at a workplace where um, uh, revenge is taken by withholding some form of generosity or some form of a promotion or a raise that is actually due in retaliation to something that was done earlier. So what are we called to do? We are called to forgive as Jesus forgave by extending uh, uh, this mercy, by calmly committing our cause to God. By calmly committing our cause, we commit our name, we commit our reputation, our character, our pain to God. Because it says in scriptures, in Psalm 37, 5 to 6, it says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light 
and your justice as the noonday. So it says, when we entrust our offense to God, to the hands of God, he will bring forth our righteousness. He will bring forth our justice. The third way that we see God and Christ forgave us is by not holding us accountable for our sins. Jesus on the cross canceled our debt. He made us not liable for our sins. He did not want us to pay. He didn't call us to pay it back. He nailed it all on the cross. We see that in Colossians 2, 3, 13 to 14. It says, then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it on the cross. So how did he cancel it? What did he do? How did he uh, do away with our sin? He, it says, God put out, put our sin out of sight by covering it. Now this is an imagery that is taken from the Old Testament where the high priest would come on behalf of the people and sprinkle the blood of the sacrificial lamb on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant so that the sprinkled blood would cover the broken law and keep the sinner away from judgment. We see that in Psalm 32 verse 1. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So God puts our sin out of sight. He covers it. How else does he do away with our sin? He does not charge us with our sin. It says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. The meaning of impute means it does, it's not charged. It's not counted upon. We are free of that charge. Our, our sins are, are not taken against us. He also, it says, he casts away our sins behind our back. In Isaiah 38, 17, it says, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. So much so, so that he doesn't even look at it. He, he, it, it, it is a forgotten, it is a forgotten sin. And it says, he remembers our sin no more. In Isaiah 43, 25, it says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. God does not bring our sin back in remembrance. He does not regurgitate it again and again. He throws it. He wipes away our offenses. He buries it at the depths of, our, of the sea. He takes it away as far as the east is from the west, just showing us that he forgets. And once he forgets, he he does not. He does not remember. He does not. Um, he does not bring it back into our our remembrance either. So for us, yes, we may be able to recall the offense that is done to us, but we can no longer. We we need not choose. We can no longer choose to dwell in them, to stand and and uh, um, uh, find uh, find the mess in it. We are called to forget, and we are called to forgive. Now, what is the application through this? What is this that we can see? We see that canceling the debt of one who offends us means that we make a choice not to bring it back to the offender, not to bring it back to others, and not to bring it back to ourselves. We sometimes see this um, in, in marriages. We often see this in close, uh, close relationships, maybe between marriage partners where there is a conflict. We sometimes see how past sins or past offenses are thrown back into the face of the other. 
we sometimes see that we use these past offenses, couples sometimes use these offenses to manipulate and shame them in front of others. These uh, offenses sometimes are used to justify um, ourselves and justify the sin that we may be uh, in. Or these, uh, these sins can sometimes are used to break down the reputation of the other partner. We are called not to remember. We are called to forget. Sometimes these sins uh, become as a ground for self-pity. It, be it becomes justifiable to go on with your sin. Um, uh, um, um, to, uh, to, uh, it becomes justified to go on with your sin against the partner who have hurt us. So God asks us and he, he shows us how he does not remember our sin no more. So we are also called to forget and to forgive. Yes, it may, we may recall it, but we make a choice not to dwell in it. Fourth point is that God in Christ forgave us by showing his love and mercy. When we look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So, you, so what we find is when we are offended, when we are hurt, it, it is a cause to, to bring back our bitterness, our hurt, our anger, and our resentment, we hold those grudges. When we hold those grudges, root, the root of bitterness begins to spring up. It, as we saw earlier, you know, that the nature of true forgiveness is mercy. God's mercy is the motivation to show mercy to others. So when we are bitter and angry towards others, we need to see, we need to ask God, to show us his love and mercy. And so by that, we can extend that mercy and release that bitterness and anger we feel. So with God's grace, we need to gain a heart of gratefulness for the grace that comes from Christ so that we can spill it out for grace towards others. How do we apply this for ourselves? For first of all, we refuse to have the anger, the resentment, and the hurt to strengthen a plan to pay back. This payback can be in very many ways. It could be physically, emotionally, relationally, financially. We refuse to allow this bitterness to, to, pay, to pay back, to uh, strengthen a, a plan or a, or a device to pay back. We also refuse to use the past suffering to justify the present sin of harboring that resentment to the other. We see an example of Joseph. We see that um, uh, in, in Genesis 50, it talks about how Joseph, after Jacob's uh, death, um, his brothers, you know, sends messengers to him and uh, pleads with him and says to show them mercy because of the wrong that is done unto them. And, that, and, he pleads with, and they plead with him not to exact payment in turn. But we see that Joseph's response showed that how he willingly showed love and mercy, that he did not hold any form of retaliation and resentment or revenge because he said, am I in the place of God, but what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So he was 
so willing to show mercy and did not choose to be resentful and angry at a point of time when he could have. He could have easily shown that anger or that resentment, but he chose to show the mercy, of, of, uh, mercy and love of God to his brothers. The fifth way how God in Christ forgave us is by doing good rather than evil. Jesus showed undiscriminating love to all his people. And he taught his disciples to do that. And uh, he also uh, tells us how we must reflect his character by, being, by showing that same love towards our friends and also towards our enemies. And how? It says in Romans 12, 17 to 21, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God, uh, Jesus taught us to overcome evil with good. So 1 Peter 3, 8-9 says that. Finally, all of you be one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, a blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So he says that we are called to return a blessing, to be kind to those who may be evil, because by doing so, we position ourselves in turn to obtain a blessing from the Lord. So what is this application? Now, this may entail simple acts of kindness. Let's, let's think of neighbors, you know, who live uh, close to each other. We often find that neighbors have struggles with each other over small issues uh, that, that happen at home. You know, there is a structure being built and there are things that happen to your, to your house. And then, yes, there comes uh, a sense of conflict and unforgiveness. Christ asks us to show love, to extend mercy, to extend kindness. Maybe it's baking a cake and giving it to them. Maybe it's calling them out for dinner. Or maybe saying a hello or uh, you know just greeting them over years of not having done that you know, it is we are asked to to show uh, uh, goodness for for evil that is being shown to shown unto us the last part is how God in Christ forgave us by restoring the relationship that sin destroyed God in Christ forgave us by restoring the relationship that sin destroyed 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Reading verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
So scripture shows us that on Christ's behalf, it shows us to be reconciled. So when God forgave us, he not only forgave us, but he restored our relationship with him. He built back, he reconciled us back to him. He built our fellowship back to him. So our forgiveness in Christ, forgiveness, the forgiveness that we received in Christ not only restored us, but it brought us back to our relationship with him. So Jesus was not just happy with canceling the debt. He wanted to love us again. And how does this apply to us? So the Bible commands that we must forgive people their wrongs. And the desire that God has for all of us is that we experience full forgiveness and we experience full reconciliation. But I'd like to make a note here that there may be some situations that may not allow for a reconciliation to occur. But there may be other situations that lead to a restoration where the relationship can go back exactly to when it started. So we need to understand that there is a difference between reconciliation and forgiveness. When we look at reconciliation, first of all, it depends on the attitude and the action of the offender. While the aim of reconciliation is the restoration of a broken relationship, those who may co have committed repeated and uh, significant offenses time and time again must be willing to recognize that reconciliation is a process. And if they are genuinely repentant, they need to recognize and accept that the other person may take some time to heal. We also understand that reconciliation requires the willful choices of two people. And that's the only way reconciliation kind of takes place. So we see that as an example in marriages. Sometimes when there's unfaithfulness or when there is abandonment, sometimes reconciliation may not occur. Although we choose to do it, we choose as best to, to do what God desires for us to do. There may be times that it doesn't happen. Let us take, let's remember these two things. First of all, sometimes the offending person may refuse and uh, resist an effort on their part to reconcile. If that happens, it is in our responsibility to do whatever we can to do in peace. If they refuse to be at peace with you, then you are released. You can be sure that you have uh, done all that you can. You have taken your responsibility. You've done what you were called to do. And sometimes reconciliation may not fully return um, uh, to what it was before. Um, it may not fully return to the original way that, in the way that it was committed. So sometimes trust and confidence in the person who committed the offense takes a long time to build. And sometimes it may never fully recover at all. But let's remember the scripture that says in Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So when it comes to reconciliation, let us do all that which brings glory to God. Always forgive while reconciling to the best degree that is possible. So even as we um, we have looked through today's of how to forgive. Just to, a quick recap to know that Christ, we forgive as Christ forgave us. How? By taking the painful consequences of another sin. 
or by committing and just entrusting the entire offense to God, by not holding the other person accountable or liable for, this, for our sin, being willing to show them love and mercy instead of retaliating and revenge, doing good rather than doing evil, and by restoring the relationship, by reconciling as much as it is possible. So we know that we, as believers, are called for a higher standard than the world expects. And sometimes it is impossible for us to attain this on our own. And we need the supernatural power of God to help us forgive. We will, I will hand this to the worship team to lead us to a time of worship before we come back to a time to ministry. Isn't he one? 
Thank you, worship team, for leading us uh, at a time of worship. Even as we come to the end of our service today, um, we take some time to respond to what we have heard. We know that um, even as we've gone through this message, we know that our natural um, uh, inclination, our fleshly inclination, is always to uh, hit back or to throw revenge. It's something that we uh, sometimes we find ourselves so much in resentment and in hurt and in bitterness that we do not know what else to do. And we understand that um, it, it's, it is so hard to give up these feelings, these negative feelings. But we know that we have the supernatural power of God today. We know that on the cross, we have uh, the, the ability, we have the place to just be able to release this because it is only in the cross that all our sins, all our feelings, all our emotions are, are laid to rest. The cross has the power to free us, to release us from everything that we have held um, in, you know, towards someone else. So even as we get into a time of ministry, I want to take this time to make you think of a person that you have not forgiven. It could be someone really close to you, someone who's living with you in your own home. It could be an extended family. It can be someone at your workplace. It could be a good friend. It could be a minister of God. It could be a member of the church. Anyone who you feel you haven't released forgiveness to, who you have harbored unforgiveness in your heart. I'd like you to take this time to just think of that person and uh, come to a place of, of knowing that there is a release of that bitterness and that anger. So even as I come forward to pray, I will first take this time to just pray for that. Just release forgiveness. Um, um, and then we will come to a place of releasing healing uh, and deliverance and wholeness. So let's come together and let's just uh, take, take a few moments to just reflect before we can begin to pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we come to you remembering the person you have brought into our memory right now, to whom we should extend forgiveness. Lord, you know how hard it is for us to extend forgiveness to, to this person, to these people. You know the bitterness that is there inside of us. You know the disappointment that we have with those expectations that are not met. You know, Father, and we want and we ask, Lord, we want a release from this bitterness. We want a release from this unforgiveness. Lord, we thank you for bringing these people into our lives, for bringing us to a point and a place where you have convicted us of extending forgiveness. But Father, we are unable to do this in very many occasions. The memories of, our, of the wrong done to us come very quickly. We recall it. We can't forget it sometimes. We don't, we, we remember it. But Lord, we hear from your word 
that how you forget our sins, how you remember it no more. Father, we ask, Lord, by your supernatural power that you will put us in a place of that kind of forgiveness, that we do not remember the sin of our brother, remember the sin of the one who you've brought to our memory. Father, we pray that you forgive us, Lord, for holding this bitterness over months, over years, Lord. We pray that you release, you release, God, your, your, your forgiving spirit, your forgiveness, your mercy, your love, so that we can extend this love to this person who we are reminded of. Father, we ask, Lord, we ask and we plead the blood of Jesus over us, that we will live renewed lives, we will re live restored lives. Father, you, you want us, Lord, to come to a place of reconciliation wherever possible. Oh, Lord, for us who find it difficult, Lord, make us able. And Father, for those places where reconciliation may not be possible, Father, give us the grace to be joyful, to be in peace with you, God, knowing, Lord, that we have left this to you, Father. Lord, I ask for every person watching right now, Lord, that they will, ex uh, they will be able to extend and release the forgiveness to the one who they are thinking of, that you will give them the freedom, freedom of being forgiven and freedom of extending forgiveness. Thank you, Father, for doing this. Thank you for convicting us. Even though it has been hurtful, even though it has, it has not been comf comfortable, Lord, you have led us to a point of remembering um, uh, the person and to release them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for doing this unto us. By the power of Jesus, we receive, we receive that forgiveness. And this forgiveness we release unto all who have hurt us or, or pained us, Father. Lord, at this time, we also remember every individual who has come with a need today, with a, with a need for healing in their bodies, healing in their minds, wholeness in their spirits and their souls, for deliverance. Father, we bring each of this to your throne of grace. Father, we receive the power, Lord, that you have that you have for us. Lord, in the, in the name of Jesus and in the authority and in the power that Jesus gives by the cross, by his spirit, Lord, we release healing into, into bodies. Lord, we remember those who may be in the ICU right now. Lord, those who have uh, a difficulty to breathe, who, have, um, who, who just want that fresh release of breath in Jesus' name. I speak the breath of life. Lord, I pray that they be rejuvenated, they be refreshed, they may be, they may be made whole, Father. Lord, I pray, God, for those who are struggling in their bodies and with sicknesses, Father. Lord, I pray for healing, Lord, for injured backs, Lord. Lord, I pray for healing, God, for... Um, 
for, for systems within the organs that may not be functioning well. Lord, I pray, God, for, uh, for, for those who are suffering from thyroid and having consequences as a result of that. In Jesus' name, I pray, Father, that your healing comes, Father. Lord, I pray for those who have compromised immune systems, mighty God. Lord, that through your blood, Lord, through your, your hand, Father, the power of the Holy Spirit, we, we send healing, Father. We proclaim to, uh, to those cells that they function normally as they are designed to be, Father. Lord, we pray, God, for, um, for any form of, um, of the senses that may be compromised, eyesight, hearing, touch, smell, feel, any of this, Father, that may be compromised. Father, you have designed that we enjoy things that you have given, Father. And, and if this has been compromised in your people, in Jesus' name, I pray for, for a release of healing, that all these senses will function normally. Blind eyes would be seen. Deaf ears would pop open. Taste buds would, would come back to normal. Uh, uh, numbness goes away. Father, we release this, Lord. Lord, we pray for deliverance, God, for those who are captivated in sin, for those who are, uh, who are in bondages, Lord, of addictions and of habits and patterns that have caused us um, a negative spiral in their lives. In Jesus' name, we release your healing. Father, we appropriate your healing in their lives, Father. Lord, may, may addiction leave right now in Jesus name Father Lord may there be deliverance that comes into the homes of people Father may they be restored uh, out of years and years of bondage that has been going on Father may the may captivity may the captives Lord be set free right now in Jesus name Father I pray for emotional wholeness those Lord who are going through anxiety and depression who are unable to sleep who are who who keep thinking about things that that uh, upset them father lord i release god your word uh, i release your sound mind over them i release your spirit of love of power and the sound mind over them lord may they be may they uh, find joy supernatural joy may they find lord the joy that comes out lord in a way that they exuberate father in worship and praise unto you father lord i pray again lord for for uh, for homes for families. I pray for broken relationships. May your restoration take place. May broken marriages be restored right now. Lord, may, may relationships within family members, between children and parents right now, Lord, be, be made, uh, made whole, Father. May forgiveness come, Lord, like a wave, Father. And may families, God, come together in oneness and in unity. Father, I pray, Lord, for, for couples who do not have children where wombs are closed. Father, Lord, I open, uh, I speak, God, the power to come, Lord, in barren wombs, Father, that it be opened up, Lord, in your name, Father, that they be joyful parents, as you have, uh, uh, you have said in scripture, Father. May, Father, Lord, we ask for your mercy to rise in us. Lord, we pray for revival in our church, Father, that things of the supernatural will be natural, Lord, in our lives, in our personal lives, in the lives of our church. Thank you because you hear us. Thank you because we are in a place of freedom. We 
are in a place of, of oneness with you. Father, thank you for hearing our prayer. God, we worship you. Lord, we release, Lord, our love and our, and our, uh, and our devotion to you for what you have done, for what you are doing, Father. Thank you for testimonies that we will hear because the power of the Holy Spirit has worked in and through us today, Father. We give you glory. We give you praise for everything. Lord, to you be honor. To you be glory for everything that we have received today, for our forgiveness, for our healing, for our deliverance, for our wholeness, for bondages, Lord, being broken. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church, for joining us. If you have a testimony today to share, we would be so glad to hear it from you because it will all help us and, be and we'll be encouraged to go on in this journey of our faith and our devotion to our Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless you and may you have a wonderful week ahead. God bless.